Good evening, everyone. It's really good to see you all here tonight. Thank you very much for coming out to Dundonald Elam Church. And thank you also to those who are joining us online. It is always a, a complete joy to know that these services are watched right across the world. And it's a privilege to welcome you here this evening as well. We pray that God will meet you at your point of need. My name is Pip, and it really is a privilege to share God's Word with you tonight. And I hope we're encouraged. I hope we're challenged through what's said. And what we're going to do this evening is continue on our series looking at what God is like. And the question that we're going to think about this evening is this. Is God a man? Is God a man? In September 2018, at the Emmy Awards, Tandy Newton won the category for the Best Supporting Female Actress for her role in the film Westworld. And when she gave her acceptance speech, along with a few expletives, which I won't repeat to you tonight, she said this, I don't believe in God, but I'm going to thank her tonight. A bizarrely provocative thing for an atheist to say, isn't it? I don't even believe in God, but I'm going to thank her tonight. A recent YouGov survey revealed that almost half of 18 to 24-year-old Christians believe that God is a man. So whilst our question, is God a man, might not be an issue to some, it clearly is an issue to others, but the answer to this question has a big impact upon all of us. It would be fair to say that over the last 40 years, Traditional language for God has, has come under fire. Feminist theologians would unanimously agree that masculine words for God, especially father, should be expunged from our, our theological vocabulary. So how can we answer this question tonight? I really encourage you to journey with me the whole way through this talk because some of you might be surprised by what you hear. But what you hear is genuinely what we believe the Bible says to us. Christians use the pronoun he when referring to God. And there is no doubt that the overwhelming majority of descriptions used for God in the Bible are masculine. But I want to get straight to the point in terms of answering the question this evening. Is God a man? No. God is not a man. Now clearly, as humans, male, and as we'll think about in a minute, female, we are all created in God's image. So our characters do reflect in some way who God is, but we certainly do not represent all of who God is. God is not a man. A few weeks ago, Pastor Malcolm, when he was preaching on the subject, Is God White? He used this verse, and I just want to use it again because it helps lay the platform for us to build this talk upon and are thinking upon tonight. And it's John chapter 4, verse 24, which says this, God is spirit. God is formless. He does not have a physical body. He is not made up of flesh and bones. Now, Scripture does use parts of the human body to describe God's activities in a, a metaphorical sense. For instance, in 1 Chronicles 16 verse 11, it challenges us to seek God's face. 
In Psalms 33, Psalm 33, verse 18, it says that the eyes of the Lord are upon those who fear him. Psalm 98, verse 1, talks about how God's right hand and his holy arm have gained victory for him. But God is not made up of flesh and bones. So the Bible uses parts of the human body in the verses that we've just thought about to help us understand how God wants intimacy with us. Seek God's face. How God sees everything. And how he protects us. How he guides us. And how he comforts us as well. God is spirit. And whilst we use the pronoun he for God, he is above all of creation. And he does not have a gender. God is the ultimate power. And he transcends human distinctives. So he can neither be described tonight as being male or female. He is God. He is God. And his existence is far superior to anything that you or I know. God is infinitely above even time and space. You remember when Moses stood before God at the burning bush and God called him to go and and, and to set the children of Israel free. Moses said to to God, well, who will I say has sent me? And God said in Exodus 3.14, I am who I am. Tell them that I am sent you. So when God identified himself as I am, what he was saying there was, I am God. I always have been, and no matter where or when, I always will be God. He's the Alpha. He's the Omega, the first and the last. What an awesome God it is that you and I serve. But let us not limit him. Let us not limit him with the limitations of our human existence or knowledge. Let us not make a golden calf, if you like, of God so that we can have something tangible in our minds to think of when we come to worship him. God is totally other than, totally distinct, totally different, and totally unique from anything else in a transcendent way. He is God, and there is nothing or no one like him. In Numbers 23, verse 19, the Bible says this, God is not a man. There you go. It says, God is not a man that he should lie. And what a lovely revelation that is to us. Because when we look around and we see the unreliability of man, or that's more talking about humankind, how wonderful this revelation comes to us, that God is not a man. He is not a human in that he is completely reliable and that's never going to change because he's the great I am. He's God. He's always going to be God. But I guess that raises an awful lot of questions for us this evening. So what we're going to do tonight is firstly think about why is God thought of by so many people as being male? Secondly, we'll think about what does God not being a man mean for how we relate to each other? And then finally, if you're not a Christian, can you believe as we go through this sermon and the revelation of God in it, can you believe that this God wants a relationship with you? Can you believe it? 
So firstly, why is God thought of as being male by so many people? Well, the Bible. In the majority of instances, the descriptions for God are in masculine terms. God is described as a conqueror, a warrior, a triumphant king, a husband, a father, a judge, a landlord, a shepherd, a man of war, a protector, and there are so many other descriptions for God, all in masculine terms. So the majority of God descriptions in Scripture are male. But to add to this point, I want to say this, and I hope this doesn't sound too technical, but the Hebrew language, like other language, is always ascribes a gender to every noun. Now, if you remember back to school, a noun is a person, a place, or a thing. And every noun in Hebrew will have a gender. It'll either be masculine or indeed feminine. In other words, they have to use a he or a she when referring to the noun God. Even if we were to irreverently refer to God as we never should as being an it, Hebrew would still force us to choose between a male or a female it. So God in Hebrew is a noun has to have a gender, and the predominant gender used is masculine. Now, people might say, well, is the predominant gender masculine because it, well, maybe it reflects the ancient patriarchal society that uh, that was about in the days in which Scripture was written. But this is God's Word, folks. And how we read God's Word is how He has decided to reveal Himself to us He has chosen to reveal himself through masculine images, but as we will find out in a minute, he has also chosen to reveal himself through feminine images. But for now, let's stay with the thought of God being male. Why is he thought of that way? The language of Trinity is generally male too. We've outlined God the Father. Jesus, unquestionably, he was fully a man. He's described as the Son of God. He's described as the only begotten son. He called God the Father. Remember when he he taught us how to pray? He said, and when you pray, pray Abba, Father, our Father, who art in heaven. And when it comes to the Holy Spirit, again, we ascribe the pronoun he when we refer to him. So triune language is generally male as well. So many people think of God because of biblical language and grammar. And indeed, down through the centuries, this is evidenced through artistic portrayals, paintings, pictures, which will always depict God as being a man. And because of this, many of the descriptions in the Western world of God will be of an old man in the sky who has a white beard. Christian books and leadership will often focus on the more masculine qualities of God. And there is an overwhelming sound, to, masculine sound to God if you go into many of the churches around the UK. So there's lots of reasons why many people, and maybe some here tonight or listening online, have thought of God up to this point as being a man. However, this is why we need to read the whole counsel of God in Scripture We need to read the Bible in its entirety and get the fuller revelation or the fuller picture that it gives us of God because the Bible does not use exclusively masculine language to speak of God or to describe him. There is feminine language used 
for God. I can remember when I was in Bible college, there were a number of us who chummed about and, and we had a conversation with a fellow one day and he fell out with us big time when we decided to talk about feminine characteristics of God. And scripture, he, the fellow that I, he never actually talked to us again. I think we became to him the devil incarnate. And if you're here tonight, brother, or listening online, the Lord bless you. The Lord bless you, good. But the bottom line is, Scripture uses feminine language, images, and metaphors when referencing God. And it's so important for us to not overlook the, the value and prominence of these images. And I want to take a few minutes to look at some of them with you and to outline them. If you're not taking notes, don't worry, because you can look back on Facebook and, and you can get the references then. Yes, God is very much described as being a loving father, but there are also biblical images of God as a caring and protective mother. Let me quote some of the verses because some of you are looking at me in a funny way. Isaiah 42 verse 14, God promises help for his people by saying this, I have held my peace a long time. I have been still and restrained myself. Now I cry like a woman in labor. Isaiah 66 verse 13, God describes himself, God describes himself as one who comforts his children like a mother. Isaiah 49 verses 14 to 15, again, God describes himself as a mother who does not forget the child she nurses. He said, can a woman forget her nursing child and have compassion on, not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, but I will never forget you. And there are so many other maternal images of God in Scripture. The Bible also portrays God in, in roles that would have been considered feminine roles in biblical days. For instance, Psalm 22, verses 9 to 10. It says, yet you, God, brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth, I was cast on you. From my mother's womb, you have been my God. And if you look in Psalms 71 verse 6 and Isaiah 66 verse 9, you will also see God described there in terms of being like a midwife attending a birth. The Bible also uses imagery of God being a bird hiding her young under the shadow or the shelter of her wings to speak of God's care and, and protection. In Ruth chapter 2, verse 12, the Bible talks about the God of Israel under whose wings you have can come and take refuge. And in that scripture, and also in Psalms, if you're taking notes, 17 verse 8, 36 verse 7, 57 verse 1, 61 verse 4, and 63 verse 7, the Hebrew noun for wings is always feminine. It is always feminine. In Isaiah 31 verse 5, God is described as being like a mother bird hovering over her young. In Hosea 13 verse 8, God describes himself as being like a mother bear. And for God... In a patriarchal society, the ultimate figure to use masculine and feminine language is just remarkable. It is incredible. 
When Jesus lamented over Jerusalem, you remember in Matthew 23, verse 37, he said, how long I've wanted to gather you together, my children, as a hen gathers her chicks. Oh, oh, but Pip, Jesus was fully a man. Yes, he absolutely was, but he was also fully God. A God, remember, who is above gender. A God who both male and female are created in the image of The Bible does not tell us that Jesus only took on the masculine qualities of God. He was fully God. He was fully God. Now, I'm taking a little bit of time to emphasize feminine language for God for a number of reasons. Firstly, because some people may never have heard those verses before. Secondly, I'm emphasizing it to address balance and help us to see that God is revealed in both masculine and feminine imagery, both of which are of great value. And thirdly, I'm emphasizing these verses and the fact that there are more to help answer our question tonight because we cannot read those verses and then declare God is a man. Can't do it. Now, we can't also read those verses and then start to declare that God is a woman. And there's nothing in this sermon which is advocating any need to start to change all of our theological vocabulary. Feminist theologians would argue that we have to replace man-centered language with language that accounts for both male and female. The Church of England Bishop Reverend Rachel Trewick said that the Church of England should stop referring to God as he. In New Zealand, in the prayer book, they rewrote the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Why you would need to change the words of Jesus is strange to me. But in that prayer, they refer to the Father, God as being the Father and Mother of all. The point of this sermon is not to say, right, we now need to start changing all the language and the songs, everything that we do about God and start calling Him different things. It's not saying we need to change our artistry about God or anything. The point of this sermon is to say, folks, let's look at the bigger picture of Scripture. Let's look at the amazing revelation it gives us of this incredible God that we worship Him. And let's not limit him. We cannot describe God as being a man. We cannot describe God as just being a woman. He transcends human distinctives. And I hope that through this sermon, what is happening is God is being elevated to his rightful place as being God, because he's infinitely above this question. And how dare any of us reduce him to a God created in our image? That is idolatry rather than worshipping him as the God whose image we are created in, male and female. There's nothing, nothing in Scripture to suggest that one gender is made more in God's image than the other. We are both made in his image, therefore we should not limit him. Second point tonight is this, and don't worry, the last two points are nowhere near as long as the first What does God not being a man mean for how we relate to each other? To start, I say that for some this question is maybe not a big deal. For others, it is. However, the answer to it, which has just been given, should have a massive impact upon us all. If we believe, as per the revelation of Scripture in Genesis 1, verse 27, that we, male and female, are made in the image of God, then we, that is a game changer. 
It's an absolute game changer for us in terms of our conduct towards each other. Because we have to agree then that every person, every single person, irrespective of gender, race, age, marital status, creed, orientation, physical or mental ability, financial status or whatever is deserving of equal dignity and value. Friends, it is when you and I start to deny our equal and unique status as God's only image bearers, that's when we start to depreciate the value of human life. And as a leadership team, we will not let this happen into Donald Elam. All down through the ages, many Christian men have used masculine imagery of God to promote superiority or dominance over women. And as a result, the potential of women has been bound, it's been hindered, and it's been suppressed. I have preached in literally hundreds of churches all across this land, and I've seen it so often, how women have kept the spiritual flame. Campbell, I think you referred to this, about this fellowship last week in the poem that you read out, how women have kept the spiritual flames alive in so many fellowships, yet they've been hindered because of men who have biased or a skewed understanding of us all being created in God's image and what that means. I remember preaching in a certain church and I've done it on a number of occasions and I would always go into the prayer meeting just before the, the, sermon, or the service would start. And it was always predominantly women who would be in that meeting, yet not one of them would ever pray audibly or dare to pray audibly. It was always men, the same men, pretty much in the same order, who would pray every time, and it was oppressive. That's what it felt like to me. It was oppressive. When we start to deny our equal and unique status as God's only image bearers, that's when we will begin to depreciate the value of human life. And here's why we do not want that to happen in this fellowship. Because how amazing is it that in all of the stunning beauty of creation, when God wanted to create something in his image, something more like himself than all the rest of creation, he created you and he created me. Please hear this. You are more like the image of God than the starry universe in the abundant beauty of earth and even the angelic kingdom. You and I are the culmination of God's unique and infinitely wise creation. Yes, sin has marred our characters. And if you're not a Christian, we'll let you know in a minute just how you can deal with that sin. But no matter how much of that image of God is marred by sin and the weaknesses in our lives, we still have this status of being made in his image, male and female. Friends, this has, this should give all of us a profound sense of dignity and significance. It means that every one of you here tonight and listening online has intrinsic value and worth. And in this church, no gender will have a greater or lesser claim on God. In this church, we want to celebrate all, all of God's children. And as a lead team under the direction of Pastor Malcolm, it is our honor to be called to this fellowship so that we can champion every single one of you to be everything you can be in God. Thank God. 
goodness, we're all different. How boring would it be if we were all the same? We're all different. We've all unique giftings and we will celebrate your uniqueness as an individual. Whatever your gift is in leadership or ministry, it's going to be our privilege to spur you on, to inspire you on, to cheer you on to be all you can be in God so that you can serve. We're going to wash your feet so that you and serve you so that you can be all that God has for you. Whether you're male or female, extrovert or introvert, no matter how we're wired, this is a church where we can all be free to be ourselves and find great freedom in that, accepted for who we are and a people who can flourish in God. Yes, we need to challenge ourselves and the sin in our lives and the rough edges in my life all need challenge, but we're going to celebrate your uniqueness. So as a church family, we can move forward together, reflecting the image of God and bringing him great glory. Amen? Amen. What a wonderful God. What a wonderful God who is incredibly gracious in reminding us tonight through his word that no one here is superior to another. No one is superior here to another, especially because of gender. But as we draw this message to a close, we want to reach out to all who are here tonight who are not yet Christians. Thank God you're here. Thank God for the person who loved you enough to invite you along to this service. And we want to reach out to you as we do week in, week out in this church with love, not with condemnation or judgmentalism, but with love and grace to let you know of a God who wants to transform your life. How amazing is it that this incredible God we're thinking about here wants a relationship with you. This God who is high above all things wants a relationship with you. And look at the lengths he went to to make it possible, how he would humble himself. The God high above all things. He went from the very highest heights of heaven to the lowest low on a cross so that tonight you can give your heart to him. Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. Sinners like you and sinners like me. That was his focus. He came to this world. God became a man and lived the perfect life to give us a perfect example and brought us a wonderful message. But how amazing that God the Son would go to a cross to take all my junk, and there's much of it, and all your junk, and did all the sin of the world upon himself and pay a price so that we can be freed. When Jesus Christ, just before he died on the cross, he cried out in a loud voice, it is finished. That was not a cry of defeat. That was a cry of victory because the work was complete. The battle had been won. The way was now open for you. And it was cried out in such a loud voice that you can still hear it 2,000 years later here in Dundonald Elam Church and know his hope in your heart. And when Jesus rose from the dead three days later, he smashed the power of death. And he smashed the power of hell so that our sin can be dealt with and we can have a relationship with him. Why would you not want to know this hope, my friend? Why would you not want to know this hope? Surely when we think about how awesome 
God is. Every excuse that has held us back from becoming a Christian. Oh, I, I, I'm not good enough. Or maybe I'm, I think I'm good enough. I couldn't keep being a Christian. God couldn't accept me, Pip. Oh, I'm going to wait till I'm older. Surely every excuse that has put us off right up to this moment from responding to him pales into insignificance when we compare that excuse beside this awesome, majestic God who wants to pour hope and love into your life tonight. The Bible says, how great is the love. Davey, Pastor David quoted this a few weeks ago. And I love this verse. How great is the love the Father has lavished. What a beautiful word lavished upon us that we can be called children of God. Why would anyone not want to know this hope? The Bible says no one can compare with this God. No one is his equal. He's incredible. He's awesome in his greatness. He's awesome in his splendor and honor. He's a good, wise, trustworthy, faithful, loving God. He's great and he's most worthy of all of the praise that we can give him. He's magnificent, wonderful, beautiful, every awesome adjective in the dictionary and infinitely more. No one can describe him. And he loves you. And he loves me. Friend, listening online, he loves you. Never doubt that. Never, ever doubt that. So tonight has just been this opportunity to catch a greater revelation of who God is. And in that, catch a greater revelation of the value and dignity of every single person here, every single person on this planet. Because in every man and woman, we are created in the image of God. Tonight is also an opportunity to as a leadership team, about the journey that we can go on with you in terms of how we can all be ourselves in this church and flourish to be everything God has called us to be. And as we finish, we do so with this loving appeal. If you're not yet a Christian, let God pour his love and his grace into your heart. If we can make a decision for you, we would, but we can't. And God doesn't force himself on anyone. The decision's yours tonight. But what is spiritually dead and lost inside of you now can become alive? Because God can come into your heart. He's not going to remove all the difficulties from you, but he's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. He's going to put purpose and meaning and hope into your life that will give you a reason to get up every day for and a future with him, what a hope. But this evening finishes with a warning. Because the Bible says there's only one name given under heaven by which we can be saved. That's the name of Jesus. Jesus himself said, no one's going to see that kingdom of heaven unless they are born again. Unless they become a Christian. In other words, he's our only hope. Dundonald Elam, Elam, the church is not what can bring you hope. It's only Jesus. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. No one's going to come to the Father except through him. But if we reject him in this life, he will reject us in the next. But why would we want to reject him? You're loved. You're of incredible value. Will you open up your heart to him tonight?